0: I promise that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Reverend John Collins was the vicar, the pastor, at Holy Trinity Church in London. And when Reverend Collins would talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, he would always begin in this way. He would point to a wall and and he would say, now imagine that the names of all the people who've ever lived could be written On that wall, whose names would you put at the top? And people would often respond, well, maybe my mother, my father, um, great humanitarians, Mother Teresa, Albert Schweitzer, uh, great preachers, uh, Billy Graham, Martin Luther, and so on. And then Reverend Collins would ask, and who would you put at the bottom? Whose names would you write down there? And often the answers would be mass murderers, tyrants, evil political leaders, and so on. And then Reverend Collins would ask this question, so where would you put your name on that wall? And people would often respond, well, let's see, um, maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe a little above the middle. I, you know, I'm certainly not as bad as some of the people down there on the bottom. and I'm certainly not as good as the people at the top. So somewhere in the middle, maybe a little above. And then Reverend Collins would ask, okay, so what is God's standard? What is the benchmark by which he judges all people? And they would think, well, probably the top of the wall. And he would reply, no, it's not the top of the wall. God's standard is the sky. The standard is perfection. And he would quote our Lord Jesus, who said, Be ye therefore perfect. As your Father in heaven is perfect. And when you realize that God's standard is the sky, it doesn't really matter where you're at on that wall. All of us fall miles short of God's standard. And this is what St. Paul means in our Gospel reading for today. On the back of your bulletin, verse 23, when St. Paul writes, For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of God's righteous standard. It's as if all of us are on the Titanic. And if all of us are on the Titanic, does it really matter whether you're on the bow or the stern? Does it matter whether you're in the cargo hold or the captain's quarters? I mean, the ship's going down. And that's our predicament. So, Roman number one in your outline, the law of God, and by the law of God we mean the commandments of God, the the righteous requirements of God. The law of God is not a checklist we keep, but a benchmark we fail. It's a benchmark that we fail. I've said many times, I can't even live up to my own expectations, let alone God's. That's the reality of who I am. That's the reality of who you are. The scripture doesn't make any distinction among us. Or we make distinctions among ourselves. But those are purely artificial and man-made. They won't last the judgment. God considers us all alike. Point A, the purpose of the law, verse 20. Notice, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified or righteous In his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That means that the law is not a means of salvation. It's not a means of getting better and qualifying for God's presence. It is rather an indication of how much we need saving. Its purpose is to make sin known. The law is written on our hearts, Romans chapter 2. Our conscience is testimony to the moral law of God. Everyone has a conscience, but that conscience can become dulled. And that's why God wrote his law down on tablets of stone, to reinforce that message so that even the dull conscience stands condemned. The law cannot save us. The works of the law cannot save us. They only show us and remind us continually how much we need Jesus, how much we need the Savior himself. And point B, the effect of the law is silence. It is silence. Verse 19, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. That means everyone. So that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now, in in what sense are we to be silent? I think you know as well as I that whenever our consciences condemn us, whenever others find fault with us, what's our natural response? Our, Our reflexive response is to get defensive. Our reflex is to make excuses for ourselves that we would never allow others to make for themselves. Our our reflex is to blame someone else. It's our nature to point the finger at others and to throw others under the bus in order to make ourselves look better, in order to justify ourselves. We're always doing that. We're always self-justifying. Nations always self-justify. It's constant. And so the law says, stop it. Stop blaming others. Stop the finger pointing. Stop the self-justification. And here's why. Have you ever noticed when you're talking, you're not listening. When you're blaming someone else, you're not listening to the good news of your forgiveness. When you're throwing someone else under the bus, you're deaf to Christ's love and forgiveness for sinners such as you and me. When you make excuses, you and I are no longer listening to the good news. God's justification of sinners. Roman numeral 2, I describe this as the diamond on the black cloth. It's on the front of your worship bulletin. The black cloth is our sinfulness exposed by the law, reinforced by our conscience, but exposed and laid bare by the law. That's the black cloth. The diamond is Christ, crucified for sinners. And I love verse 21. St. Paul has been building his case against all humanity. The law's case against all humanity. God's case against all humanity. Through Romans 1 and Romans 2 and the first part of Romans 3. But at verse 21, it all changes. But now, St. Paul writes, but now the righteousness, notice this, of God. This is not the righteousness of man. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets testify to it. This is nothing new. St. Paul would have us know. This is not original with us. The scripture says Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness through faith. He's justified and perfect in the sight of God through faith in God's promise. St. Paul in Romans 4 talks about David in the same way. David wrote, Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord will not impute to him. That's justification, that's forgiveness. The law and the prophets testify to it. Point A, but now reverses everything that's gone before. The gospel reverses the judgment of God upon sinners. In the gospel, God declares you forgiven. He declares you righteous in his sight. Perfect. Being perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, it can come to you and me only as a gift not as an achievement. And point B, this righteousness equals unconditional acceptance and that equals Jesus Christ. Christ is God's acceptance of you and me and every name on that wall. I think all of us know what conditional relationships are like. We experience them, perhaps in school, perhaps at work, maybe in your family, I don't know. But a conditional relationship runs like this. It's if, then. You know, if you fulfill my expectations, then I accept you. Then I'll keep you around. And you and I know, through hard experience, it's only a matter of time, Before we fail, it's only a matter of time before someone lowers the boom and reminds us of what we already know deep down that we're not good enough. And what we need in that day more than anything else is a reminder of God's unconditional love for all of us. It's not an if then relationship with Him. It's because of Christ you are loved. Because of Christ you are forgiven. It's a done deal. The scripture says God was in Christ not counting men's sins against them. At the cross, God stopped counting your sins against you. He stopped counting my sins against me. And point C, it's not faith that saves. It's the object of faith that saves. Jesus Christ is the object of faith. And I love the way verse 25 puts it. Whom God put forth as a propitiation, that's a big word, A propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, propitiation means more than forgiveness. It includes forgiveness. But it really means this. It means the removal of God's wrath. The removal of God's righteous anger. It is removed. It is taken away. The judgment is reversed. Why? Because that judgment falls on Christ. It's propitiation by his blood through his death. The wages of sin is death. Christ pays the price. It's not faith that saves, but the object of faith. This is what I mean. I may believe very strongly that if I paste enough feathers to my arms and flap my arms fast enough, I can fly. Now, you and I know that's silly, but but if I believe that strongly enough, will that faith do me any good? In fact, it might do me a lot of harm if I jump off a building. On the other hand, I may have very little faith in the ability of a huge Boeing 747 jumbo jet to get off the ground. The thing's so big. How can it fly? But you know, with a skilled pilot at the controls, even a little faith in that big thing, that big clunky thing, even a little faith can get me where I need to go. It's not faith per se that gets you anywhere. It's the object of your faith that gets you where you need to go. And even a small amount of faith in something reliable is a whole lot better than a great deal of faith in something this bogus. Faith itself does not save. It's the object of your faith that makes all the difference. And that object is Christ, Jesus, the friend of sinners. Now that is good news, my friends. It is the best news you'll ever hear, but we can't hear it if we're talking. We can't hear that good news if we're throwing others under the bus. We can't hear the good news if we're making excuses for ourselves and pointing the fingers at others. And that's why God in his word says, stop it. Stop trying to justify yourself. Stop making excuses for yourself. Jesus has already answered for your sins. And because he's answered for him, you and I have no need to make excuses for ourselves. Christ answers. Christ dies. Christ is risen. We are forgiven people. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.